City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. In today's episode, we're going to be touching on the top five center prospects in the draft. Chase, I guess some overall thoughts on this center class as a whole, without getting kind of into the rankings yet. What are your kind of overall takeaways for the crop of big men available in the draft? Uh, so I actually think it's a pretty good class for big men. And I think the overall consensus on this draft class is that it's not necessarily that great. I mean, especially in comparison to last year where there were so many good rookies that to be found throughout the draft at the top, the mid lottery in the second round with guys like Herb Jones being like an all defense caliber player as a rookie. I'm not sure that that's going to happen in this class, but I think the big man crop specifically is, is pretty deep. Uh, the, the guys that we're going to talk about today, I all like, or I like, pretty much all of them as long-term players in the NBA, whether that be Chet, uh, who could be, you know, be one of the best defensive players in the league or someone like Walker Kessler, who could potentially could just carve out a nice role for himself in the league for a long time as a starting or backup level big. So I'm excited to talk about, about these guys with you today. It's, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. And we'll, we're going to run through our kind of overall rankings in a minute. We're not going to keep you in suspense. We're going to let you know exactly who we're going to be talking about. Um, and also we're not necessarily going to be just spending the same amount of time in each one of the guy- those guys. Like I think there's two names in particular, which we'll probably get to who I think will most likely be in contention for either of the Hornets picks at 13 and 15. So we're going to be probably focusing a lot of a bulk of our time on those two names while also touching on guys at the top of the draft and maybe a little bit lower down in the first round. So Chase, you want to get started. Can you please give us your, your top five, centers um for this draft class uh, in order and let's go let's go from the top down all right so number one obviously chet holmgren he's currently my number one overall player in the class uh he's just such a unique size and skill set combo as a rim protector that's seven feet but under 200 pounds but plays like he's what the biggest guy in the court he's just such an awesome player to watch number two jalen duran uh, insane frame, which I'm sure, and I can't wait to talk about him too. He's one of my favorites. Oh, you like you like his frame. You really like his frame. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Mark Mark Williams uh, is number three for me. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be a very popular candidate for the Hornets as a North Carolina collegiate, a student, and somebody that is obviously a very productive player in two years at Duke. 
Walker Kessler, number four. And then I have EJ Liddell at number five. And then beyond that, I have two more in uh, Ismail Kamagate and Christian Coloco that uh, I listed just for honorable mention purposes. But what is your uh, top five here? So we're pretty aligned on this for the most part. Um, so there's not going to be too much disagreement here. But um, I have Chet Holmgren, number one, Jalen Dura number two, Mark Williams, number three. I then have... EJ Liddell, number four, and Christian Coloco, number five. Um, and I think all of those guys, I think all of those guys will be within first round conversation and kind of when I do my overall big board ranking. So I, I think, like you say, pretty pretty good talent, I think, especially in the lottery for, for bigs in this class. Um, let's, let's start at the top. We're going to start with Chet. We're going to touch on him because there is still a 5% chance at the time of recording the Hornets could move up, or they could always make a trade to try to get into the top of the class. Uh, we're going to start with Chet. Then we're going to focus on Duran and Williams, which are names people will probably be familiar with. And then we'll touch on some of the honorable mentions lower down the list as well. So Chet Holmgren, you said he's your number one ranked overall player in the class. Um, I want to get this started with, do you think Chet Holmgren is a better prospect than Evan Mobley? And do you think he can make as big an impact in the NBA in his first year? No, I, I don't quite think so. And that's that I think speaks more to last year's draft class that, I mean, Evan Mobley went third and I think he's a better prospect than Chet, who I have number one, but, or more so than it does speak to Chet's like individual ability. But I think that Mobley is definitely more mobile on the perimeter right now. And I think he, he's also like, even though Mobley wasn't very big, he is still a little bit bigger than Chet. Um, although I think Chet might be a little bit younger than Mobley was at this stage entering the draft. But I don't, I don't think he's quite as good uh, as Evan Mobley of a passer either. That's, that was a huge strength for Evan Mobley at USC. Though Chet is definitely, a, he's pretty good at it himself, but more so I think in transition. Uh, than in the half court or anything or like a short roll pass or anything. But I do I do think Chet could develop in that facet pretty easily because he's a very smart player and he's a will he's a willing passer. He's not at all like a score first player that's constantly looking for his own shot. He just wants to make the right basketball play. So I do I do think Evan Mobley is definitely a better prospect, but I don't think that um it it necessarily means Chet uh, won't come in and have an impact as a rookie. I just don't know if it's like that level of impact uh, especially two-way D defensively I think Chet will be pretty good uh, as a rookie in spite of being you know like probably 195 pounds or so right now but uh, I think Mobley's probably a better offensive player at this stage yeah and I think it's a, it's a good thing to start with those physical traits I think a lot of people have seen Chet or googled about Chet but just to recap he's uh, just under 20 years old he's seven foot tall seven six wingspan same as former Bobcat Bismarck Bambo, legend. Um, this year, he averaged 19 points, 13 rebounds, 2.5 assists. That's per 36. And uh, 4.9 blocks per 36 minutes as well. Um, he shot 39% from three, 61% from the field, and 72% from the free throw line. So pretty, pretty encouraging um, measurables. You mentioned there, 195 pounds. That's where the big concern is, right? Like you look at him and he probably looks maybe even less than 195 pounds. He is really thin, but like for, for me personally, I'm really not that bothered about his strength. I think you don't have these guys. Like if you try and power into someone in the post these days, you just get called for a charge. 
And he's shown that he can still rebound at a high level. Like his per 36 rebounding numbers are better than I think any other rebounder in this entire draft class outside of Zach Eady for Purdue, who's seven foot four. Yeah, he's, so uh, yeah, exactly. You're talking about someone who's been able to rebound at elite level. Now that is the Mountain West Conference. You don't have quite the same caliber of bigs like you do in the SEC or the ACC, but he's shown that when he's played internationally, when he played against Victor Wembanyama, he, he's been a really good rebounder. So that's the thing that everyone will have concern about. Are you concerned about the strength, the frame? No, I'm with you. Not really. Um, especially because not only what you said that it's just being a, just a large human doesn't make quite as much of an impact in the NBA as it used to, which I mean, that used to be a legitimate skill, like just being big, but now it's more of just a trait uh, and something that's nice to have than something that you kind of need to have to be a big. And he also plays, might play harder than anybody that I've watched in this yep, class. hundred percent. Like uh, he is so aggressive under the rim. He takes everything personally, like in a good way. He's always trying to outplay the guy that's in front of him. Uh, he, he, in the, the most unironic way possible, he like has the, he's like the meme of he got that dog in him. Like he definitely does. He play and he certainly plays like it, no matter who he's playing against. Like, there was that, uh, I'm sure a lot of people when they think like that don't necessarily like chat will think of the play uh, when Gonzaga played Memphis and Jalen Duran backed him down and knocked him over and then just dunked on him and stared him down when Chet was just laying on the floor. Uh, but I mean, Chet just got, got back up, kept playing like as hard as he had been the whole game. Like he, it, it doesn't, that, that kind of stuff doesn't really phase him, which is an extremely important uh, I think like mental makeup or mental quality for a rim protector to just kind of constantly have that motor running at a hundred percent, no matter what. Uh, and, and there's and NBA teams put like millions of dollars into these strength and conditioning programs now. So he's going to gain some weight regardless. It's just, I mean, it's not like he has to blow up and be like 240 pounds or something. As long as he ends up being like, I don't know, gaining weight in the way that like Anthony Davis or Kevin Garnett or something did in the same way. Like, cause I, I, Kevin Garnett's someone he gets compared to a lot, I think as a prospect. And I think it's pretty accurate because two really wiry teenagers that are so impactful on defense, despite being, you know, weighing less probably than a lot of the guys that they are going to go up against. Yeah. And I think for Chet, I don't think he's ever going to be like a number one option guy, like an Embiid or a Jokic. I think he's like the perfect second fiddle guy. Like he can, he can do everything on the floor. There's nothing that Chet can't do. He can take guys off the dribble. He can shoot it from three, gets the foul line. He's an absolutely elite rim protector. But if you like give him the ball and get him to kind of like ISO and clear out, I don't know if that's really what his game is about. He's best kind of playing off kind of someone else. And that's why, you know, that Gonzaga situation was really good for him because he had good guards and good little players around him. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, do you see Chet as that kind of leading guy for a, a championship? Like if, for example, if the Hornets were to move up to top pick, do you see this being Chet's team shifting or would you still see it being Lamelo's team with Chet kind of playing a role there? I definitely think it would still be Lamelo's team. And I'm with you that I'm not quite sure he's, like a number one he definitely is a number one defensively if he is a team's best defender that's totally fine yeah uh, if he's your best scorer playmaker you know just like number one option in general 
then that team might not be as successful in a, like a playoff setting or over 82 games. Um, but just cause I'm not sure he's, like you said, he's not dynamic enough as like a ball handler, shot creator. He is a good shooter, but right now it's more uh, in, as like a trailer in fast breaks or like on pick and pops or just getting wide open shots out of the, you know, the flow of the offense or something more than he is, you know, uh, I'll catch a shot and then hit a step back on somebody or something like that. But, uh, and I do think eventually he'll become an even better shooter than he is now, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure he has the, uh, the on-ball juice to become that number one option. How about for comparison, what do you make of for Chet Holmgren now? Like I've got a guy in my head who I've kind of thrown around um, and very topical after watching the, the playoffs recently. What about like a better rebounding and a better passing Jaron Jackson Jr.? Like, like super tall, super long, can shoot the ball from deep, like not a super kind of creative guy, not a super athlete, but I, I'd say Chet is much further along in his playmaking at this stage. I mean, significantly further um, and probably further along at the stage in most areas of the game. But like in terms of like a long-term NBA role, like a number two behind Jar with, with J, Triple J kind of plays at the moment in the running for defensive player of the year. Any other comps? Do you like that one? And, and any other comps that spring to mind? I actually do like that. I've never thought of a uh, thought of him as being compared to Triple J, but I, I don't know if he'll he'll be quite the shooter, I guess. But I'm 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 sure you uh, factored that in as well. But if you just kind of replace some of that three point shooting, maybe with some like short roll mid range shooting or finishing up um, in the paint or something like that, I think that that's probably pretty accurate. And Chet might even be farther along as just like a defender in general he definitely I mean even now he probably doesn't foul quite as much as Jaron Jackson Jr. would but in the future I definitely think that that would be like an ideal role for him as a a number two that can kind of just play defense and get the shots that they feel comfortable taking off of you know whatever number one that they're paired with okay so let's say in May when the NBA draft lottery is the Hornets move up okay let's say number one pick number two pick you say Chet is top of your big board. Would you anticipate them take, taking Chet, like for the Hornets specifically? Are there any of the guys, Paolo Banquero, Jabari Smith, Jaden Ivey, who you would have ahead of Chet? Or, or is he your absolute number one best case scenario? Hmm. That See, that, and this is something that we'll probably end up having to talk about a lot throughout this uh, draft evaluation podcast, um, is that the Hornets not having a head coach right now and not necessarily knowing what their system is going to be does make it a little more difficult, but I think I probably would go with Chet uh, in just for most teams as like a blanket number one option. The Jabari uh, for number two, he was my number one player for a long time this season. Uh, and I, I just, as the the process has gone along, it's just, it's so hard for me to deny the the likely defensive impact that Chet is probably going to have and how that can impact the team's trajectory uh, of, to success, especially having like a defensive anchor that doesn't have to, you know, get played off or can't get played off the floor, can defend in space and stuff, and also be one of the best rim protectors in the league. It, would, it seems like it's just going to be so valuable and too hard to pass up for me. But Jabari would be really good for the Hornets too. I mean, I, I, just a, like a dynamite shot-making forward. I, you really can't go wrong with that either. And that kind of player with that kind of size is – something the Hornets don't really have, uh, I guess, with, you know, kind of their forwards are more like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, than 6'10". No, I'd agree. I think Chet is 
number one best case scenario. I, you know, if there was a world where they stayed at 13 and 15 and they can move up to get Chet by packaging those picks, I mean, uh, that's not going to get anything done. You'd have to package those picks and add in, I mean, guys who are under, under contracts. I, I actually don't know if you could get it done. Like, I don't think any of yeah, those rebuilding teams, unless you could put Lamella in a deal, which is just obviously going to be a non-starter, I don't think there is any trade that gets you up into that area for, to draft Chet. So I think the only way to get him is if they move up. But um, look, there is a four percent chance, four and a half percent chance that happens. So it, important we touch on Chet, and also kind of good to keep in mind when when comparing some of these other prospects we're going to get onto now. So so let's bring our Chet discussion to an end there, and let's move on to Jalen Duran. So Duran is ranked number two by both of us, and. I'm always going to kind of have us look at Jalen Duran and Mark Williams at the same time, because I would say their draft range is probably similar-ish. I'd say Duran maybe anywhere from like six until 15, and maybe Mark Williams from 10 to 15, something like that. Um, But reading out just like the numbers, these guys are so similar. Like, so they both average 17 points per game. They both averaged 11 rebounds per game. This is per 36 minutes. They're, uh, I think assist-wise, Durham was at 1.8. Mark Williams at 1.4. Block-wise, it's probably one of the biggest disparities. Jalen Durham blocked three shots per 36 minutes. Mark Williams is at 4.3. Um, but then steel-wise, Jalen Durham at 1.2 and Mark Williams at 0.7. Uh, field goal, Durham at 60%. Mark Williams at 72%. Free throw-wise, Mark Williams at 73% and Jalen Duran at 63%. So it's probably fair to say that Mark Williams is the more efficient offensive player right now. Um, but other than that, like these guys, statistically, despite playing in different teams, different conferences, very, very similar. Um, one of the key things to point out here, I think, is that Jalen Duran is 18 and a half years old, under 18 and a half. Mark Williams is 20 and a half. So there's exactly two years difference between them. Uh both are about seven foot. Mark Williams with a seven-seven wingspan. Duran with a seven-five wingspan. So both like elite measurables for center position guys, and by no means stiffs. So I think Duran is the more athletic, definitely the more kind of powerful, broader body. Mark Williams, no, no means is a slouch, but probably isn't quite the caliber of athlete that Jalen Duran is. Um, how close are these two in your rankings, Chase? Um, as I've kind of laid out there they're kind of pretty close statistically and in the measurements, like, and their impact. How did you rank those two? And yeah, how close? So I have Jalen Duran ranked seventh on my board and I have Mark Williams 18th, which. Oh, okay. It, yeah. It's not super close, but I actually do. I still like Mark Williams, especially for a team like the Hornets. And, you know, it's the, the rim running prototype, uh, like long athletic center that rebounds, block shots, takes up space below the rim, uh, and is a good lob threat for Lamelo. Like both both of these guys do fit that profile. I just I just think Duran has so much room for growth. Uh, like with terms of like technical skill as a shooter, ball handler, passer, and so, everything like that. Um, while already being having like a really solid base for it as an athlete and he's all right he's a good passer right now i think which is probably maybe not among you know like hardcore draft analysts but among mainstream uh you know people who follow the draft is probably an underrated skill of his his playmaking but 
Uh, I mean, I, I also think he is a he probably has better potential to shoot than Mark Williams does, even though Mark Williams uh, percentage wise is slightly better. And that's kind of the the thing with Mark Williams is at, like you said, he's two years older. So statistically, he kind of he does profile a little bit better in like pretty much every facet than not only Jalen Duren, but like most of the these guys that we're going to talk about today. I mean, like Mark Williams is like a 73 percent free throw shooter. He hit like a million elbow jumpers at Duke and he had that one turnaround uh, in the tournament that kind of made the rounds and got everybody a little bit excited. But I I think Jalen Duren's form looks really nice. uh, And I think he has a ton of touch around the rim and just with how athletic he is, I think he has so much room to grow uh, in a way that Mark Williams probably necessarily doesn't. So I think everyone, the, the prototype of player that these two project to be, I think is pretty clear. They're rebounding, you know, finishers, shot blockers. I think one of the things people out there will have a problem is like actually separating what they are, what their strengths and weaknesses are that differ from each other. So in, in your mind, what sets apart maybe Mark Williams and Jalen Durham? What's the biggest difference in the scout? If they were to be playing for the tournament team, if they were to draft them at 13, 15, if they were to to package the picks to move up for Duran. What do you think you're getting with Duran that you're, that you're not getting with the other? I know you touched on it a little bit there, but what do you think are the, the biggest differences between those two? Yeah, it, it's definitely the passing for me. Uh, he had Jalen Duran. Mark Williams is a, still a decent passer. He had some nice high-low plays with Paulo from what I had seen. But I think Duran, he has so much touch as a passer. Uh, he has kind of the, the one-handed passes where he's just in the post uh, backing somebody down or in the short roll and kind of just flips it up from his dribble and kicks it out to a shooter or something like that. He's pretty good at you know quickly reading too when he gets the ball. Uh, if a double comes to him or something, he's not he doesn't take a long time to necessarily read. It's not always the right one because, I mean, pretty much all of these guys have a negative assist-to-turnover ratio. Actually, I think all of them have a pretty significant negative assist-to-turnover ratio, but... Uh, that's just kind of a, what happens to bigs in college because of yeah. the role that they often play in offense. Like none of, none of these guys are like passing hubs. So they're, they're kind of just bound to turn it over a, like a little bit more often than they end up actually assisting. And there's also the idea that uh, Jalen Duran in particular was not playing with the best guards uh, up until the end of the season. And I think at the era towards the end of the season, when he was playing with better guards and uh, not playing with better guards, but once Alex Lomax, because he was playing with the same people, but once Alex Lomax had settled in kind of as the point guard of that team and they had moved on from like the Imani Bates uh, initiator experiment, uh, I think he got a lot better. Like a lot of his ga- best games of the season were towards the end of the year. Uh, they d- they ended up losing to Gonzaga in the tournament, but uh, and he only had, I think, seven points or something like that and didn't shoot very well. But I mean, I didn't think that he necessarily played bad defensively in that game, so... There's just so, and also, Duran's athleticism for me, Mark Williams is still an athlete, like you said, but it's just like a different, it's just a different level. Like he's 18 years old, he's 6'10", 230 pounds, and he just like explodes off the ground for rebounds. Uh, His second jump is really quick. He reminds me a lot of like Rob Williams as a prospect with his athletic ability uh, and how like powerfully he impacts uh, the rim as a shot blocker and stuff. So I would say passing and uh, athleticism are what sets Jalen Duran apart from Mark Williams for me. I'm, I'm really glad you you touched on the context that you have to look at these players in because you're right. That Memphis team, 
was like, I know they finished the year strong, but like halfway yeah. through the year, it was like death. Defcon like one. It was it was bad. Like, no um, one no one would have thought they were going to be at, maybe not even in the tournament, but much less uh, an eight seed in the tournament halfway through and the year. On the flip side, you look at Mark Williams, right? Mark Williams was surrounded by probably yeah. four other first round picks, like Paolo Banquero, AJ Griffin, Wendell Moore Jr., um, like Jeremy Roach, like who is very easily a draft pick, like. Very great, perfect situation for Mark Williams to succeed. Smart passes around him, like one of the best shooters in college basketball and AJ Griffin. Um, So I I think you're completely right. If you flip these two players and put them in the other situation, I definitely agree with you. I think Jalen Duran would be like 2010, like style, like just putting it up. Um, And Mark Williams probably his field goal percentage wouldn't be as high because he's not getting kind of put on an absolute platter each time. So I think... You're right. We're beginning to see some delineation here, right? Jalen Duran, we've agreed, is, is a much kind of better athlete, probably a little bit better guarding on the perimeter than Mark Williams, a little bit lighter on his feet, despite also probably being a stronger and a thicker body. He's got a much better passing upside. Like the number of alley-oops that he threw, like uh, if there was a stat for a number of alley-oops thrown by centers in the, in the college basketball, I'm pretty sure Jalen Duran would have been up there because he found people on the roll all the time. The age, the context. And one other thing I'm going to add on is just like the ISO scoring. Like if you imagine the NBA switching scheme, if you get a small switch onto Mark Williams, like Mark Williams would call. Like if he had a small on him, he would call for the ball in the post and he would do something. But it is different with Jalen Duran. Like if you put a small on him, he's just going to mash him in the post. Like he can spin, he can get to his hook on his left shoulder. Uh, like Mark Williams just doesn't quite have, I don't think, think in his bag, like to kind of be and to take advantage of the switches, which you have to think in the NBA, whenever you're drafting a big or you're, you're signing a big, what are they going to do when a team goes small and switches against them? Like when they downsize, like the Sixers were playing George Neing at center the other night, like against the Heat. How are you going to react to that? I think Duran probably has a little bit more to be able to take advantage of those of those situations where you kind of you need to have a big in to be able to stop them. So, Mark Williams, Jalen Duran, you got him ranked two. I've got him ranked two as well. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, these are I think two names that are going to be really well linked with the Hornets throughout the draft process. Um, would you be willing, would you prefer to wait where the Hornets are and draft Mark Williams or to package those picks and maybe another player, I don't know, a JT Thor, someone else, something else to move up to draft Duran uh, as like a top 10 pick? Because like Duran's been linked pretty well with the Spurs um, in some mock drafts. I think that's where Jonathan Gavoni of Draft Express has him ranked at the minute, ninth going to the Spurs. Um, they, they need it. I know they've got, Pertle, but they've kind of drafted a lot of wings and guards in recent years and they're thinking they might need a big draft order could definitely change but yeah what are your thoughts about potentially moving up to try and acquire Duran? so i mean cbs sports uh kyle boone his mock draft has the hornets getting duran 13th and mark williams 15th so <laughs> maybe they don't have to move up at all and they can just get both. That, so we can just that would be like reminiscent here. of drafting Nick Richards and Vernon Carey in the same second round. 
Yeah, yeah. On on like steroids, basically. Absolutely. Turning the, you know, two, two, uh, 32 and like 45 into into 13 and 15, just doubling. And if, if they kept Kai Jones on the roster, like half the team would just be centers that they drafted in the last in the last three seasons, which would be pretty funny. But and I, I can't necessarily imagine uh, that scenario happening. But if Duran is available at 13, that would be awesome. And I, I don't know if that's possible, but it certainly seems like it is uh, according to various mock drafts are online right now, but I would also support trading up for him if that was, you know, something the Hornets decided they wanted to do or were willing to do. I would do, I would obviously do 13 and 15 and then, you know, someone like JT Thor, or Jalen McDaniels, like, uh, I don't know how this would work okay. with Cody Martin, but, so, okay, but this I, is the I would definitely think about that. Where do, where do you stop there? Right. So you said JT Thor, you said Jalen McDaniels. How about Kai Jones, 13 and 15? Is that getting it done for you? I see that that is where it gets tough because you just traded a, a first round pick for Kai you Jones did. last year. You're trading not, three first for Jalen right, Duran at that point. To not to not let him develop before you moved on would be tough. Um, but if if they're very sure that Jalen Duran is like the center prospect that's gonna, you know, take the team to the next level in the future or something, which I'm not I'm I certainly believe that that could be the case. Like I think he's really, really good. In year uh, one? I, I, I'm not probably not in year one, yeah. but I, it, yeah. however many years down the road when he would need to develop, I definitely think that he could be like the Hornets center and he would pair well with LaMelo. Who's, you know, only 20 years old. He's not, not, he's not too much older than Jalen Duran. They, they would, they'd be in the same, you know, quote unquote timeline. They would. Uh, if so I, th- I think this is where it's worth mentioning. We mentioned the age earlier, but Jalen Duran is actually the youngest joint youngest player in the NBA draft this year. Yeah, he, he should be graduating from high school right now. He, he reclassified last year to go to Memphis a year early. So he, he is this essentially completing his senior year of high school at the Memphis University. So while I agree with you that for me, like he is my number two ranked center prospect behind Chet. If I'm trying to make the playoffs next year, which after firing Borrego, the Hornets seem like they're pretty clear they're trying to do. Yeah. Is Mark Williams not the better guy for next year? Like, even though I have Jalen Monk ahead, I actually would agree. Like, I think Mark Williams is a better place to play a, a role as like a 20-minute night starting center in the NBA next season. And this is where the Duran challenge gets complicated because what if you trade two firsts up, you know, to trade for Duran or two firsts and, and a player to get Duran, and then you've essentially got like the guy who's the same age as freshman in college and he's supposed to be the answer to the Hornets defensive issues like I I know this year I think Memphis were ranked number one in all of college basketball um, limiting opponents to 36.1% shooting from the field so kind of opponent field goal percentage he's obviously had a huge effect on that and that's not to be ignored but doing that in college and doing that in the NBA in year one this is where things begin to not quite add up for me and maybe the team thinks well, we don't need to trade picks to get Duran, And Mark Williams is actually more good to go right now. I, I wouldn't think that way because I'm always swing for the fences. Like if 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 it takes a year for, for Duran to get there, I'd rather have the upside of what I think he could be in years two, three, four from now. But how do you think where the team is and their future could affect that decision at all? Do you think that's something they'll find conflicting? Um. You know, I'm not sure because I, I definitely think that like that frame of mind is right. Like it, you don't want to draft a player, you know, that needs a lot of work, obviously, if you're going to need to play them a lot next season to help 
have them help with your defense, which at their peak, this is what both of these players are like their main role on a team is going to be is to be a rim protector, improve the team's defense. Mark Williams is probably more, I agree with you. He's probably more likely to do that next year, but they did draft Kai Jones last year, who was a, might be more of a developmental prospect than either one of these two. I'd agree. I'd actually agree. I think so. Either one of these guys. And you know, they didn't shy away from that. And I, I understand that was a year ago. The team was one where they were 43, won 43 games this year. They were over 500. They were obviously like better than they were the year before they had drafted Kai. So, you know, they're not thinking in the exact same frame of mind, but I don't, I don't know if, it, if it's necessarily something that they would do is to be like, Mark Williams will be able to play 20 impactful minutes or at least like moderately impactful beneficial minutes right now. Uh, Jalen Duren, like we're not sure if those 20 minutes are going to be helping us or at least not hurting us every night. So I think I, I do think that that's it's important to note, but I'm, I don't know if it will affect how the Hornets think because they they haven't necessarily shot. And not not that he's a big, but James Booknight was also someone who needed a good bit of development. Uh, they haven't shied away from it in recent years. Maybe they stop soon uh, as the rest of the core gets older and, you know, you're eventually you can't just draft somebody that you know, has tools, but you need to develop with, uh, by feeding them minutes every single year, because it's hard to be good that way, but we'll see. And, uh, I, do, I think know. that Mark Williams is, I think one of the big reasons he's going to help now, um, real quick, just from what I mentioned earlier, I was looking this up on uh, Bart Torvik earlier. He might project as the best shooter right now, like of all of these guys, even though none of them are, you know, floor spacers or anything like that. Uh, even though I think Duran probably has is the best ability to be like a three-point shooter uh, in the future. Uh, he made a ton of jumpers. He was the best shooter on long twos last year at 43.5% on 46 attempts, uh, of the, which was the best percentage and the most attempts uh, of long twos among any of those guys last year. So I, I do think that he has the ability to come in and like fill a role right away. It's just how much uh, that expands uh, is remains to be seen. And even if it doesn't, like, I think that that role is still valuable. Like, I don't think that Mark, if Mark Williams best season in the NBA is within the first four years of his career or something like, I think that that's fine still. I don't think that the rest of them will be bad or considerably worse or something. I just think both these guys would help, but I, I really hope you're right that they, they don't take that win now uh, kind of pressure to, yeah. to change the draft philosophy, but I, the Borrego move, the Borrego move caught me off guard. And now I'm, you know, if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said there's no chance. Now I'm beginning to second guess myself. So um, I, I think that was a really good kind of nuanced discussion and Duran and Williams. I think we, we got into some of the, the differences between those two guys. I, I think we both agree that like, Either of those would be fantastic pieces to have to this roster. And yes. despite drafting Kai Jones last year, like you touched on, uh, Kai Jones has looked really promising in the G League. I, I actually think he could play a role in the rotation next year. I'm not not drafting a big because, you know, we got him last year. I, I know Kupchuk said at the time, it's like getting a future first rounder in the building, like a, a early so we can develop them you just don't not draft over someone who's only played like G league minutes. It's just not something you do. And 
Kai Jones has showed potential at times to play some power forward. Now, he didn't play barely any last year. He played almost exclusively at centre with the Swarm. So that suggests that they think that's his role going forward. But he, he does have some potential to play power forward. These two are definitely all bigs. They are they have, you know, absolutely not playing any spot minutes of power forward. So um, I'm going to move us on from Duran and Williams. Hopefully everyone enjoyed that, that kind of debate, that conversation. Um, we're just going to finish up now with a couple of guys lower in our rankings. So just just give us again your rankings of guys. You've got fourth and fifth, Chase. So I've got Walker Kessler and EJ Liddell are four and five for me. Okay. And I've got EJ Liddell four and Christine Coloco. So let's let's touch on EJ Liddell first. Um, do you want to kind of give us the kind of like brief overview? Because we're beginning to now get into the players who are, are outside the lottery. I'd say Liddell's range is anywhere from maybe like 18 to 35, 40, something of that range. So we're probably getting into the, the players now who people might not have seen as much of. Um, what type of player, because it's quite different to the guys, what type of player would you describe EJ Liddell as? as? Yeah, so EJ Liddell is probably the furthest away from anyone else in this group of big men prospects that we'll talk about uh, on this podcast. He's like six foot seven, 240. I really liked him in the draft process last year uh, before he withdrew. I don't know about you, but uh, I was really excited uh, when he made the big improvement at Ohio State this year. Uh, he averaged 19.4 points per game, 7.9 rebounds, two and a half assists. Uh, he was Big Ten all defense too, uh, Big Ten all tournament team. He shot 37.4% from deep on a pretty good amount of tough looks. Like he he was the best player on his team, uh, especially after last year, like teams knew like the type of game that he was trying to play to prove that he could play in the NBA with uh, like the type of body type that he has. He kind of oh, like Chase likes the body looked... again. Chase has got another body. No, no I, I, cause he likes the, uh, he's like six, seven, two forty. He looks like, like Paul Millsap kind of, uh, and like players that are built like that don't necessarily succeed in the NBA, like all the time, but I definitely think he's a good enough shooter. Uh, he's just good enough in general with the ball in his hands, I think, to make it work. Uh, he's probably not going to be the rim protector that, you know, most of these other guys are or have the potential to be just because he's way smaller uh, and not as explosive or athletic. But I think he can be a good defender. He, he'll be I think he's more of like a like a hybrid big than like a true stunner. Uh, he might end up playing like a little bit more four. Um, than than five in his career, but yeah. I, I do think that he's he's worthy of considering. He does have a really wide draft range too, so it'll be he, he could be available with the Hornets second round pick if things go poorly, or he could be gone like right after the Hornets pick at fifteen. So yeah, and I think you mentioned Paul Millsap. A couple of kind of names I have in my head like Grant Williams. You see with the Celtics right now, like similar body type, yes. really yeah. big, strong, thick, undersized, but you know plays smart. And then the guys like the Morris brothers, like Markeith and Marcus Morris, like they've played some small ball five in a time. So yeah, you're now talking about a different kind of player and someone who probably overlaps skill set wise, especially with the Hornets, with PJ Washington, like that small yes. ball option. Um, not the not the athlete by any means that PJ is, doesn't move as well on the perimeter. Um, but like you say, has shot the ball pretty well and made a pretty big jump in his later season. Liddell is 21 and a half years old, so definitely an older prospect. Uh, he's got a seven-foot wingspan. So you're definitely more looking. He looks like a power forward or a wing by measurements, but trust me, when you see him play in his body type, 
he he is big and strong and and makes tough shots going through people going over people just like his his strength i mean i, I can't i don't have a full list of people in front of me but i'm saying that like he's the guy who's his strength is a guy who I, I rank him so much higher than I would if he didn't have that strength. Like it's just so key to absolutely everything he does His rebounding, his ability to hold position, his ability to, to protect the rim, um, his ability to kind of like shoot over guys, even when a little bit of contact is there. Um, he's one of the strongest guys in this class. Yeah, I agree. And if, if he, that strength is so valuable for him because if he didn't, if he wasn't like a strong player, he would kind of just be someone who plays like a big, yeah, uh, that can shoot but can't really move anybody. Which, you know, that, that's that's just not necessarily a, va- a valuable archetype or something that teams have a lot of room for to develop uh, in the NBA. But uh, yeah, and an older prospect too. But uh, and which I think some will say like lowers his ceiling. But I, I think that with the improvement that he made at Ohio state last year, like he's still, he's still on the, the upward trend. And I think it'll be regardless of where he goes in the draft, I'll be watching him. Cause I, I mean, I liked him last year. I liked him this year. He's just had I didn't like last year. numbers. You didn't like him. Where, no, so did you, la- would you have year, had him in your top 60 last year if he had declared or no? Um, he would have been my top 60, but he would have been like low second round, even like 45 to 60 range. Um, Okay. Like because before last year he just didn't flash that he could shoot at all, and he was much slower and was nowhere near good as good on defense. And then this year he's made a jump, and I like respect to guys who go back to school, make improvements in the areas they need to improve, and then come back. Like that's what I I love to see. And EJ Liddell has done that. He's addressed the exact areas that scouts giving him feedback on in last year. So. Um, he is someone who I've got definitely got higher on from this year because I've seen that development. And that's happened at the age of, you know, his 20 to 21 age kind of seasons, that development's come. So that's good to see. Um, I- I'm going to move us on to Christian Coloco, who is a guy I have on my list. You don't have in your top five. You have Walker Kessler instead. Coloco, a lot of people probably watched him in the tournament. He had a big breakout game. Um, I think that was in the in the quarters of the semis. Um 20, he's going to be 22 years old pretty much in draft night. Seven foot one, so the tallest of all these guys we've spoken about so far. Seven foot five wingspan, so that's the same as Jalen Duran. And again, his perfect six numbers, actually really good. 21 points, so that's more than Chet, Duran, Mark Williams. Eight and a half rebounds per game. Two, uh, Sorry, that's not right. I'm reading the wrong line here. <laughs> sorry, 17.8 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, two assists, and 3.9 blocks. So, Again, almost like identical numbers in a lot of ways to Mark Williams. Um, but again, that extra year older than both of them um, is actually the best free throw shooter of all the big, 77%, um, uh, so, sorry, 74%. Um, so a better free throw shooter than both the kind of previous guys we've spoken about. Um, you've not got me in your top five. I've just read out the resume there. What is it about Christian Coloco that you don't seem to, to have? I mean, yeah, I'll let you get run with that. So I do, I'll start with the, the positives, I think. I think right now he's probably the best or most versatile perimeter defender of the, the five centers. Oh, uh, really? I disagree about. strongly, I, but go on. Be, I think right now, because he, he was the, the uh, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, uh, he, and he's not like a wiry frame, but, and he moves pretty well. And he's still like 230 pounds or something like that. 
So I don't think he's necessarily going to get moved around in the NBA. And he can stay with guards and he mirrors well. His feet move. Uh, he's an efficient in- interior scorer. Uh, he had six 20-point games this year, which I think was the most uh, among any of these guys except for Mark Williams. But it's just not um, – it just doesn't seem like – overly translatable to the to the nba outside of just like the cleanup buckets around the around the rim he doesn't really have any uh like counters to to good defense uh, which not that the pac-12 was like some slouch conference but he's not facing like other elite bigs in the pac-12 very often um and especially like nba prospect bigs that are as big and athletic as he is but he just doesn't really have a ton of go-to moves down low his physicality is kind of his main scoring option and he is a good free throw shooter. So like, as long as he can draw and finish through contact, that he'll probably be fine in the NBA. But I just think that the other centers in this class kind of offer a little bit more upside. Uh, I don't think Coloco is really ever going to be much of a passer or ball handler. Uh, and the, uh, the main reason that I prefer the other two uh, or th- some other guys to him is their combination of athleticism, defense and offense. And Coloco just kind of doesn't – he only really has, like, the defense of the – or portion of those two, three things, uh, like, locked down in comparison to the other guys. And that he is the oldest uh, of the group uh, at 21. Mm. Uh, so – and whether or not, you know, NBA teams care about that is one thing, but uh, that will probably drop his, uh, like, draft stock slightly. Yeah. So I think I agree with pretty much everything you said. I think the other thing for me is just, like, he is – much slower like he looks yes he's, he's not unathletic but he's just slow and that's where I, I i disagree with you on on like kind of you said you think he's best guarding the perimeter i'm i'm just not sold on that um i don't quite see the perimeter side like he's obviously super long he's very kind of like thin and lean but he's super long but like i think both mark williams duran move better laterally on the perimeter than coloco which is one of the big reasons for me I've got him ranked a little bit lower. The other side as well, um, it's just the scoring. Like the Arizona offense was really designed to kind of get a lot of high lows where he was just kind of dunking it inside. And like, I felt Mark Williams scoring came more in like flow of offense. They weren't necessarily looking for him, but he was just finding ways to contribute. Whereas I felt Coloco was kind of fed on purpose and he was efficient at doing that. But with his skill set, that's just not going to happen in the NBA. People aren't going to be throwing the ball into Coloco like in the post. Um, I, I don't think so. And, and like I said, the age definitely hurts because he definitely like he barely played in his last couple of seasons in Arizona. And like, again, fair enough for him to stick with it. But if, if you're talking about him at the same age as these other guys, they are, you know, way ahead of where he was um, at their age. So those are the kind of main concerns for me. I, if Coloco was around, if they didn't take a big, in the first round and Coloco was there in like the second round, I would be all over that because like, I'm going to have probably mm-hmm. Coloco end of the first early second. Um, I'd be absolutely all over Coloco at the, at the, in the second round. I think that'd be great, but I, I imagine there'll be certain teams who'll be wanting to take a backup big. They can kind of play an uncomplicated style with Coloco and put him in there. And I, th- I think that's interesting that you said you'll, so you'll have him at the end of the first or early second or so. I think said. so. And so he is the lowest ranked, like, true center uh, really in this class for me. I think in my – yeah, he's the lowest ranked true center in my top 60. Everybody else is, like, a bigger or more of a forward after him. 
and I have him 34 right now. So I, I think that yeah, that I might just be higher on this big class in general, which I mean, I, I, I definitely, the, I'm glad that my numbers uh, back up what I said at the beginning, because I, I mean, I also have Ismail Kamagate, who we can talk about briefly. I have him at 32, Liddell at 29, and then I also have Walker Kessler at 25. So there, I think that there's a pretty good amount of depth in this class. And even though, uh, you you like Coloca more than me in comparison. Like I, we seem to at least be settling around the same place on him um, in terms of like the whole draft board. And then let's let's finish on your guy, the block guard Walker Kessler. Um, he's just under twenty one years old, so kind of a little bit older than Mark Williams, but younger than Coloco. So kind of in the middle there. Transferred from UNC to Auburn this year, seven foot one. Seven foot five wingspan, so almost exact same measurables as Coloco. Um, average 6.4 blocks per 36 minutes this year, which is just to put that in perspective, <laughs> and that's freaking ridiculous. <laughs> that that's like more than that's pretty much double what Coloco averaged. <laughs> and Coloco yeah. is like Pac 12 defender of the year. Um, he's a good rebounder as well, 11.3 rebounds per game, 20% from three, which is his big swing, swing skill, right? Like Walker Kessler, of all these guys who are kind of elite shot blockers, Liddell uh, was was a, a three-point shooter but didn't have the rim protection. Walker Kessler could give you that unicorn ability to do both at a super high level, um, but only 20%, but flashed it at times. What's your Walker Kessler take? So I think that he is not going to provide the same level of impact uh, around the rim, obviously, that he did in college with, with a – 19.1 block percentage blocking nearly one out of every five shots <laughs> that the just opponent mad. was taking when he was on the floor. It's like, it's completely insane, but I don't think that that's going to be quite the level of impact that he has in the NBA. But I do think that his skill set is, it's going to be pretty much the same thing. Like obviously he's the best shot blocker of this group, but we, once he gets in the NBA and kind of settled, settles in, I don't think, I think he'll probably be, maybe in the top handful or top 10 shop lockers in the league. Uh, he's seven foot one. So he's pr- pr- about the same, pretty much the same size as Coloco. I'm, I'm not sure who will end up measuring like taller in shoes or anything like that, but they're one of them. Those two will probably end up being the biggest guy. He's 250 pounds too, but still manages to be pretty light on his feet. He has really good timing. I think he's pretty light on his feet. He looks good in the open court. When he's when he's running on fast breaks, he looks pretty good. And when he has time to like build up his speed, he looks fine. In in half court settings in space, getting him on an island, that will be his weakness in the NBA. He will yeah. not at all really guard the perimeter uh, in the NBA. No, so he's a pure uh, he drop coverage. A little, yeah, he did a little bit at Auburn, but it's just it's just not going to happen uh, in the in the league. Um, but I think that he, it, that's not to say he's like unathletic because I do think that he can, he uses his size. Well, he's pretty strong. Uh, there was that one like poster putback that he had uh, at their senior night game. I think, I don't remember who they're playing, but he had the black undershirt on uh, and he like mean mugs to their crowd after. So he's pretty aggressive. Uh, he can finish lobs, dunks, post moves through like moderate contact. And he's also the only one of these guys that took, threes at all like the rest of them are other than ej liddell but uh, because he but he's of the true centers that are you know seven footers he's the only one that shot threes he took 50 this year i'm not sure that that, i'm not sure 
I see that's what I was I was curious about is because it's funny that he took the most, but I I definitely think that Mark Williams and Jalen Duran have a better chance to shoot in the NBA than he does. But wow, and uh, and uh, EJ Liddell obviously too because he's like he's already a shooter uh, and but he's not the, the thing with EJ is he doesn't have quite the the size difference so it's it's different when you're a shooter at six seven than when you are at at seven ones but I'm not I'm not sure if he ends up being a shooter in the NBA, but he did take 50 of them. And the rest of these guys combined between Coloco, Duran and Williams took four. Let's so, say Coloco, <laughs> Coloco took three of them. So <laughs> let's say Walker Kessler shoots 32% for his career from three in the NBA. If you, if you knew that right now, how far are you moving him up this list? Mm, probably closer Probably pretty close to what Mark Williams is uh, mm. at 18, I would say. Pro- very, like very close because what Mark Williams will probably offer more as like a more athletic guy, you know, that, that can move around a little bit more. If he shoots, he, Walker Kessler would counter that because you basically have somebody who can play like really, really impactful drop coverage on one end and then can pick and pop on the other. So if yeah. the other team that is def- is defending him with like another drop big, then that team's in trouble, even if they're, you know, like it, it's just a good counter to not being able to be mobile on the perimeter defensively if you can shoot it a little bit. But he doesn't, I don't even necessarily think he needs to do that to be an effective NBA player with how big and aggressive and how like instinctual his shot blocking is. I, I agree. I, I'd move him up probably, probably ahead of Mark Williams, but I just don't think it's going to get them. I just think if, if the free throw percentage was like 80%, like I, I feel much better about it. Yeah. Um, and like he, he, as a high school player, he was known to be a shooter, uh, but that's just not translated at UNC or at Auburn really. So, um, but yeah, I think Walker's a fascinating guy for me. I just think he moves a little bit too slow. Um, like Isaiah Hartenstein is kind of like a guy I like to compare him to. He was like once known as a shooter, but that's pretty good. Um, like I, like I, I think he, he could play a role in, in there. Um, but again, just a little bit older. Um, doesn't quite have the defense, can't shoot it by nowhere near the athletes as the other guys. I just worry that his his size and size alone just won't be enough uh, in 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 the NBA compared to some of these other guys who just got a, a much higher athletic upside. Um, okay, we have touched on well six guys in total now, really. Uh, but those are our center rankings. Um, I definitely think it's obvious that we'll probably speak about these guys more because I expect more mock drafts to be linked to these guys. But um, I, I think that we're both in a similar place that like Duran or Williams, we'd be kind of happy to have on the roster as a starter next year. And the other guys would be happy to add depending where they were in the, uh, in the draft cycle and where the end Hornets end up picking. Yeah, agreed. I mean, if you can end up the draft or end up in the draft with Duran or Mark Williams, that is, you had a good night, I think. I agree. And I think that concludes our center rankings and all of our positional rankings. It's been a lot of fun doing this with you, Chase, and I'll speak to you again soon. Two weeks till draft day. <laughs>